0: We would like to say, first of all, tonight, that we are indeed thankful to the good Lord. For this privilege that we have to assemble here tonight is Eternal turn people. And I hope and pray that we've met here, that we might be able to come together in unity and be of one accord and one mind for the Lord's cause and for His kingdom. I'm thankful that the Lord established His church during His personal ministry. Amen. Some of my brethren think about the seashore, others, different places, but to me, it's very clear. It was on the mountain when he called to him, his disciples. He assembled them there. After he established the church, he put the first ordinances. First, workers in it with apostles he had there, and then he then he started building on it. But, but I'm thankful that he did establish that. I'm thankful that he gave that church and that church only yeah. the authority to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creatures, every one of us, mm-hmm. and gave us the. Uh, a way to be identified from all other denominations and that is by keeping our two ordinances that he gave us pure. One of them is baptism. That represents his death and burial and the other is the Lord's Supper. That represents his suffering on the cross of Calvary. And, and the true Baptist churches have kept them two ordinances all down through the years as an identifying mark. Another identifying mark that true Baptists have is we recognize Jesus as our head. Yeah. We recognize the Holy Spirit as our leader. And we recognize the Bible as our root and our guide of faith. Amen. And when people say, "Why do you believe something?" we say, "Because oh, the Bible says this." Yeah. And when somebody says that they believe something, we say, "Where is that in the Bible?" Give us a verse says the Lord for that. I, I realized in the 1800s. Remember, Thomas Campbell supposed to coin the phrase, "Where the Bible speaks, we speak; and when the Bible is silent, we're solid. Baptists had held that position a long time before Mr. Thomas Campbell ever came on on the (laughs) scene. And if you actually study Mr. Campbell's doctrine, it's right reverse, for the Bible is silent. He speaks, him and his son Alexander. And when the Bible speaks, he was very silent No, He had it backwards in the doctrine that they introduced and taught for salvation. But it's good to be here tonight. We titled this uh, as as Correcting Irregularities. We started the, the, the it st- sends out the first night we define what Baptists say a church is. Now, I'm a I'm an old fashioned missionary Baptist and I'm thankful of it. I believe what we as Baptists teach or what a true church is. And all down through the ages, it, it was simply an assembly of baptized, born again, baptized believers that looked look to Jesus as their head and the Holy Spirit as their leader and the Bible as their ruling God of faith. Yep. Nowhere in the Bible, no matter how how hard someone might explain the scriptures. Will you, will you ever find that the Bible required a church to have a direct arm from another church? Right. Nor will you find in the scriptures anywhere where the, where the Bible requires uh, good church letters coming from another church in order for it to constitute another church. Right. That are, that, those doctrines are modern day in the last last few years that have been introduced to the people. But our forefathers, and that's what reason we, we, we brought from 50 Creek out first. It's a case that uh, is sad. When Old Salt Lake Church divided, that was sad. When, any, any time a church divides, it's sad. Yeah. The reason they divided, it, it was very sad. It was over mission work. But it wasn't that the, that the majority didn't believe in missions. They did believe in missions. They believed in, in, in supporting it directly. When the Lord called somebody to a mission field, send them out. They believed in that. What the majority was opposed to was the, the new mission board that was started two years prior to that by some of the brethren out of Nashville. That's what they were opposing. Yeah. But they weren't they weren't breaking fellowship with Salem Association. Matter of fact, as we pointed out, Salt Lake went to Salem Association after they had excluded these members that had stormed out of their conference. Miles West preached the sermon that year. The association seated Salt Lake that year, so they hadn't departed from the faith by excluding these thirty six brethren. <laughs> The sisters that stormed out of the conference. But nevertheless, the association then decided to take up the memorial that this minority, according to the history now, the memorial that the minority presented to the association to try to, to, to you know, help them. And I know they needed the help on that. But now, the very rule of an association is that it has no authority to interfere with the internal rights of a local church. Salt Lake did not ask them to interfere in that because they had done settled this problem. Uh, as far as Salt Lake was concerned, if these brothers and sisters came back and made their apologies, they would have restored them. Yeah. But these, these 36 members didn't want to come back and make an apology, nor did they want to remain with Salt Lake because Salt Lake did not want to fe- fellowship the modern-day convention that started. And they did. So what did they do? Well, you know, some of our brethren make an argument, oh, You've got to go back and make it right, make apologize to the church first before, and get good letters and go out and cost you the church. Didn't the do that? No, they did not. They did not go back and make an apology to Salt Lake Church, even though they stormed out of the conference, shook the dust off their feet, and said fellowship broken. And that's the way they were disputed. Did they they go and join a sister church of right faith and order and get received in there? No, they did not. Did anybody grant them good letters to go and constitute a new church? No, they didn't. Did they get an arm from a sister church? No, they did not. So how did they get to be a church then? By the rules that some of our brethren had brought forth in this day and time. Well, if, if they're honest, they might say that they were a church? But now, that's not the way the old time Baptist practiced. These old brethren that took care of this problem, they had a disunity that had developed amongst the Society of Baptists. So they took care of him. They knew that a church was simply an assembly of baptized believers. And that's what they did. They went down there and set a time and constituted the the minority that was excluded into a church. And they took the name of the Feedy Creek. The next year they came back to the Salmon Association. Petition was joined and received unanimously. So that's, to me, a a, a good example for all of us as old-time Baptists to to be aware of and, and to be able to correct irregularities when it starts creeping in amongst us. Yeah. And when brethren say, oh, you can't do this," the way well, you have a can because we did it at the very beginning of our society here in Tennessee. And these brethren that made this decision was the first generation of Baptists that had settled this area. They came from Virginia and from North Carolina South Carolina and Georgia. And they didn't have modern ways to be. They spent weeks and, and months of Following that old one horse cart, somebody like John Wiseman, an old one old horse, and walked a lot. Now, they, them brethren came. They wanted to come where they have freedom to worship God. And that's what they come to this area for. Where they was living, they were oppressed, even here in America at that time. They did not have freedom to worship God. And that's why they came to Tennessee and to Kentucky so they have freedom to worship. So, so uh, to me, defeated Creek. I have no problem with them being a sister church. No, not a bit in the world. I understand how they came to exist. I have no problem with that whatsoever because I believe Baptist doctrine. Now, I meant to do this last time and I failed to. And, and i to be honest with you, I'm not, a real, I'm not a real good speaker, and I realize I know that. And I get awful nervous up here. And some of you preachers know know what I mean. Sometimes things that I intend to bring, I, I forget. But I meant to bring this out last time about what a precedent is. And I'm sure you all know what a precedent is, but I want this to go on record. According to Noah Webster, 1828, in law, a precedent is a judicial decision, interlocutory or final, which serves as a rule for future determinations in similar or analogous cases, or any proceeding or course of proceedings, which may serve... A rule in subsequent cases of a like nature. So, whether our society in today life or not, the Creek is a precedent. We look back and see how they came into existence and we cannot deny the fact that they are a church, were a church. If we tried to say that, oh no, they weren't scripturally organized, then where is that going to put us? Because most of our churches in this area Will be affiliated with, with 50 Creek through baptisms, letters, or something down through their lives. So if they're not a church, most of us, when we check our history, won't be either. They baptized, they ordained Brother T.W. Matthews, a very humble man, very good man. And they ordained him and sent him out. And he pastored, I've got the list and I'll give that later on in another discussion. But he pastored a number of our churches over this land and country. If they weren't a church, if they were alien, then, then they had no authority whatsoever to, to baptize anyone, to miss the Lord's Supper, or to ordain anybody. Anybody that they were baptized would have been alien. Anybody that would be baptized by somebody they ordained would be alien. Just as simple, simple as that. So therefore, every church that T.W. Matthews pastored in his lifetime caused that, those churches to become alien by that, that argument that some of the brethren put it forth in the latter years. The CR brethren didn't believe that back then, nor did they practice that. So, so Defeated Creek is a perfect example to be impressive, of, of a group that's been excluded, not over doctrinal reasons, and constituted a church by, by an association. I know no people don't like that, but it happened, and it's a church. I also gave you last week the split of the, the in this discussion, the split of Testament Church. And showed you in the records that it was a church that was organized out of members from Salem Church in Allen County. Now, I realize there's a Salem there now, Angus. There's no, there's no connection between those two Salems. I want you to understand that. The Salem that was constituted in 1804 in Allen County uh, died out, it, it, it's no longer there. But there a 12 members that got their letters in 1811 or 12. And they went to the Gappa Ridge of Tennessee and they constituted a church by the name of the Testament. They had two ordained preachers to help them in their constitution, a brother Roark and a brother Parker. The only Roark that I could find in that dispensation time was William Roark or Roark, who had started punching camp. Uh, and some of y'all know where that was at. And he'd been there in that dispensation. And the other brother was Brother Parker, and named him later, his brother Daniel Parker. The one who started the two seed spirit doctrine. But anyway, this church also at Testament did not want to fellowship with the Tennessee Baptist Association. So they made a motion and second to withdraw from the association. I mean, from the Tennessee Baptist Convention. But they went ahead and they assembled at Salem Association. They weren't going to break fellowship with the Salem Association at that time. They were going to continue on. And this was not a point of fellowship. At that time, between the churches, if those that wanted to fellowship this new uh, thing that Brother, brother uh, Howe started was signed, those that didn't have was signed, wanted fellowship. So they made a motion, the majority of the Testament voted not to, to fellowship the Tennessee Baptist Convention. When they got there, and when the association then tried to overthrow Salt Lake's authority it interfered, that divided the association, and Testament did walk out with Salt Lake and some others and we showed last week out of their amendments that they came before their, their church the next conference, and they wanted to know whether or not the church backed these brethren for walking out of the association. It was a close vote. 22 to 18 voted to support the brethren that walked out and was willing to go to the association. 18 voted against that. They weren't satisfied with that, so they tried to bring it up again. 22 voted against bringing it back up. 18 voted to bring it back up. Same ruling. So when the minority there at Testament failed, they left. Now they continue to call themselves Testament. (laughs) Even though the other other church was the majority. They they called Brother uh, uh, Miles West to be the pastor according to their records. And they then appointed delegates or messengers to go to the to this new organization. We also showed you in our previous lessons here that Brother Jonathan Wiseman was uh, in the same association. He seated in, in November in the Constitution of Defeat Creek. He went to follow uh, in October, in October Creek. Went to follow in November and helped constitute the Round Lake Association of Primitive Baptists. And the very next year the association appointed him to go to the neighborhood of Taylor Gilliam. and and preached there in that community at the request of the minority of Testament church. That's where Taylor Gilliam was in, the minority. So they requested the association to send somebody up there. And Jonathan Wiseman was the one. They sent up there. And he was representing also in the Stroud-Lick Association. So that proves there was no doctrinal issues at that point in time. Salt Lake had not departed from faith and practice like some say at that time. Jonathan Wiseman continued to pastor and represent, I've got records on this, in the Randleith Association at least to uh, 1845, 46, because he still was representing from Mount Pleasant Church in, in the Randleith Association. From 1940, 1938 to 42, he was the same brother that was over there doing the mission work in the, in the neighborhood of Taylor G. Gilbert. Now let's look at this. The minority of testament departed. They did not get letters when they departed. The minority there's no record of testament of them ever constituting into a church. Now let's talk about Baptist irregularities there. Were those recognized in that day of time as irregularities? No. The same association continued to seat that minority uh, of testament church yearly until it dissolved in 1845. This minority that never did constitute did give 19 members letters to constitute Solomon Church. Now that that, you know, to us today, that would be an irregularity. But it was not an irregular irregularity irregular in that day and time. And so we find that Testament Church, the split of Testament Church, and the beginning of Solomon Church, the way they come into existence is a precedent for us to go by. I mean, if that's what the brethren did in that day and time, and if that was the traditions of the the brethren in that day and time, and you had brethren that was coming from at least four different states that settled this area, yet they were in unanimity on how to handle these issues in that day and time, then that must have been the common consent of Baptists everywhere in that day and time. No way around that. So we got two churches here. One... Established by an association without any church authority out of excluded members that named itself the Feet Greek. We've got the other church here that uh, that started out of a minority that walked out of their conference and continued on as a tax testament church. Of course, I've heard brethren argue that you can't have two of the same church but you did here at this point in time in 1837 through 1842 you had two. Now we find that William Bransford was the moderator of the service when the 19 brothers and sisters got their letters to constitute Siloam Church. Now, did Testament church grant them an arm to constitute? No, they did not. Did Testament church have anything to do with their constitution? They weren't even invited. Think about that. Look back on, on Siloam's records and see what churches they actually invited to their constitution. It was William Bransford, which he belonged at Hillsdale, what they called it, New Street back then. It was Jonathan Wiseman, who was <coughs> past, pastoring the church in, in around Round at that time, plus he belonged down to, I think it was, what Old Hopewell there. And, and two or three others, but, but their home church that they got the letters from, was not even invited to their organization. Do you find that to be strange? I did. But anyway, they, they, this 19 came together they formed the time. They asked these churches to send their brethren to constitute them into a church. Brother William Bransford, Brother Jonathan Wiseman met on that day. They constituted uh, these members from the Testament into a church, and they took the name of Solomon, um, uh, United Baptist Church of Christ. And so, that's the way Solomon came into existence. But I have no problem with that because they were born again, scripturally baptized, believers that had assembled. And they gave themselves to the Lord and to each other to advance the cause. They fit every definition that the prime Baptist required for them to be a church. The material was Baptist material that went into a constitution. Now we can take the position, oh no, they didn't get good letters. You can't, you, a minority that walks out can't grant letters, We take the position like they ever want to. But when we do, Solemn Church will touch about every church in this, this area. At least to, it, to your administrators. Yes. At least to your administrators. Because Brother Ford Lambert was one of their administrators. Brother Doug Curtis was one of their administrators. Uh, Brother uh, J.D. Sanders was one of their administrators down through the years. Uh, Brother Alice i forget get his name, but he was one of the administrators down through the years. Uh, and, and so forth. Uh, so these these preachers, if Solomon cannot be recognized as a church because they didn't have good letters or have an arm from somewhere, then where does that put all the rest of us, folks? But I'm thankful for them brethren back then helped the Baptist doctrine and didn't go along with all the foolishness that was taught in the years later. Amen. Now I presented these two for this reason. One out of excluded members, one church organized out of a minority, they just walked down their conference and never got it. Now, tonight we want to present to you another uh, precedent that's similar, and yet it's different. But our Baptist brethren took care of it and kept, kept in unity. And that's what our desire is, in it? To be in, be in unity. Amen. If we see what, how our forefathers reacted to this and, and quit getting what, what the others accuse us of going by man's opinion, they're the ones following man's opinions, not us. We are following Baptist doctrine. Not long ago I heard one brother said put a quarter in Pendleton's manual and throw it away. He say he'd something away. Well, that was kind of foolish of that young brother and it was to make such a silly statement and show his ignorance. We, brother Pendleton was one of, one of the greatest leaders during our dispensation time in the Lamb book movement. And if he didn't know that, he wouldn't have been ashamed of himself for passing the church and making that statement. But we're going to discuss tonight about the, the First Baptist Church at Nashville, Tennessee. Now, I I want us to remember, when we talk about the first Baptist church back then, there there, there wasn't like they are nowadays. Back then, everybody believed in penitent believers being baptized into the Lord's church. Everybody back then taught heartfelt salvation and and would only baptize people on the profession of their faith. This easy believism at this time had not even began among Baptist people at that time. So they wore the appellation the first Baptist church because they were the first Baptist church that was constituted in Nashville. This is that plain and simple. Now, giving you a, giving you a thought about this, uh, the pastor was R.B.C. Howe at this time, and one of the members was J.R. Graves uh, at this time, and Brother Graves was a... Well, I'll read to you out of this little book that somebody wrote that got in a lot of trouble a few years ago. <laughs> 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 Ken Baptist churches received members from other Baptist churches uh, by statement. I'll read to you what this author wrote about just briefly on, on, on J.R. Grace. Grace stood firm uh for his doctrine beliefs such as, number one, Christ established a local, visible church. I believe that, don't you all? Amen. Number two, baptism and the Lord's Supper are the only two ordinances given to the church. I believe that. Do you? Yes, you do. Number three, for baptism to be scriptural, there has to be a proper mode, immersion, a proper subject, a believer, a proper design, immersion, and a proper authority at Baptist church. Now, they didn't leave the, he, did, he did leave the administrator out, but he understood that the authority was actually rested in the church, the final authority. And I agree with that. He said the ordinance could only be administered by Baptist preachers under the authority of a Baptist church. Any other was alien. I agree with Brother Graves on this. He denied the universal church theory, saying ideals of an invisible universal church are invisible nonsense. And I wholeheartedly agree with him on that. that That's a bunch of nonsense I ever heard of to speak invisible church here in America and the world now. Six, he believed in a direct mission system where the churches sent their aid directly to a missionary. That's in 1858 now. He was, all, he was still having a problem what Brother Howe started in 1834. They were still having this squabble, even though they were members of the same church. They didn't agree on how to do the mission work. Now, and he goes on to say he believed in a complete church autonomy with no higher tribunal than the local visible Baptist Church. All seven points there. I think that all of us here as Old Time Baptists concur with 100%. Kevin. Amen. Now, him and Brother Howe got into it. And it did get very personal. Yeah. I've, read, I've read a lot of it uh, through, through different things. And Brother Howe says some things about Brother Grace he ought not to have said. Brother Grace says some things about Brother Howe he ought to not have said. And what was worse, they put it in print. Yeah. You know, once you put something in print, you can't hardly, hardly say, well, I didn't say that. You know, but they did do that. Uh, I, I really believe both of the brethren was kind of wrong in what they were doing there. But it did cause the First Baptist Church to kind of split. Uh, one father and Brother J.R. Graves, the other father and Brother R.B.C. Howe. But now here's a, they they brought Brother Graves up, the majority did, because of infancy. Of, of, Actually, his personal attack on brother uh, brother Hal, but I'm gonna read you in part. You'll find this recorded in Southern Baptist Encyclopedias, uh, page uh, 582. If you want to read it for yourself, uh, it's it's in the first paragraph. It says Graves, accompanied co- by a number of supporters from in and around Nashville, uh, attended the church conference. He spoke at length to a motion that the charge be drawn and insisted that the church proceed in harmony with Matthew 18, 15 through 17. As the matter at issues were strictly personal, about midnight the church voted 91 to 48 to proceed with the trial. Or were they going to try Brother Graves anyway? Even though they had not followed Matthew 18, 15 through 18. Brother Graves had not followed that. Brother Howe I had not thought of that. So we're going to go ahead and proceed against Brother Graves anyway. Uh, whereupon Graves and about 23 other members withdrew and declared that they were the first Baptist church and the majority were no church but a faction. You Think about what they've done. The minority now has pulled off and said we're the church. They had no letters of dismissal. They had no arm. They had... They had no authorities anywhere else. They just pulled off and declared themselves to be the church. All right. They elected Gray's pastor and publicized themselves as the First Baptist Church. The church which had obtained a charter in 1858 at once warned them that, that, that legal action would be taken against them if they continued to call themselves the First Baptist Church. They then called themselves the Spring Street Church, saying, We declare ourselves to be the regular and scriptural church of the Lord Jesus, worshiping in this place and in this name, claim for ourselves as His true and proper church all the rights, privileges, and authority which are by His Lord conferred on the church. So here we have a, a, a different scenario altogether. We have a group that pulled out and declared themselves to be the church. <coughs> Was they recognized? The church tried Grayson in, in absentia. That means they hadn't tried him anyway, not being there. Found him guilty on all seven accounts and only one dissenting vote on, on, on one account. And excluded him off to October the 18th. And then published its proceedings in a booklet The Trial of J.R. Grace. Well, I guess that, I guess Buddy Grayson appreciated them making that public like that, but they did it. And he had to live with it. And he lived it down. Now, I want to tell you about this. The Baptist General Association of Tennessee and North Alabama met at Lebanon five days later on October the 28th. And by a, an overwhelming vote, received those sent by the minority as the messengers of the First Baptist Church. So the, 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 this general association recognized J.R. Grace and the minority as being the true church. Can't they do that? Well, they did. Correcting irregularities. They thought the majority was irregular because they failed to follow what Jesus said in the Bible to do. All they had to do was present J.R. Grace the father of Matthew 18, 15-18 with J.R. Grace and, and they wouldn't have an argument but they wouldn't do it. They excluded him without following the scriptural procedures of doing that. So the association, the general association, seeing the minority, the association refused to recognize those sent by the church to permit them to be heard or to receive their written protest, thereby declaring that the church, because it tried and excluded grace, ceased to be a church. The association moved the minority was a church and the association had ceased to be a church. And, you know, did they have the authority to do that as an association? Certainly they did. Did that make the majority not a church? No, it did not. But they had the right to, to make that decision that they wanted. They were body politic, independent. They could make that decision. Final. No, God's final in all things. Now, the church immediately preferred charges against eight men, including Dayton, A.C. Dayton, and three deacons for schism and specified seven accounts. It postponed the trial because of Deckton's illness, but on February the 15th, 1859, keep that in your minds. Tried them in absence again. They weren't there, so they just wouldn't try them anyway. And excluded them. Ten days later, it, it it excluded 15 others of the minority, most of them were employees or part owners of the Southwestern Publishing House, employees of the Tennessee Baptist or members of the family of the men involved. In November the ninth, 1859, the church excluded 21 others who had gone with a minority, and on April the 4th, 1862 more, this made a total of 47 excluded from several hundred members. So this minority that claimed to be the true church that J. R. R. Grace was elected pastor of consisted of 47 excluded <clears throat> members from the First Baptist Church of Nashville. At the request, now remember one association has done recognized, the minority has been the true church. At the request of Spring Street Church, 40 men from 20 churches of the Concord Association sitting as a council heard Gray's side of the matter, March the 1st and the 3rd, 1859. With no one present from the first church, each charge made by the church was presented and ordered with Grace speaking to it. The council voted on every, each account that he was innocent, that from evidence presented it believed Howell, and the others had determined to ruin Grace and had tried him for that purpose. That Grace was justified in refusing to stand trial because of his unscriptural arraignment and that the actions of the church were null and void, the minority did right in withdrawing from the disorderly dominant part, and that by violating Christ's law, Matthew 18, 15 through 17, it forfeited its rights to be a church church and became a faction. The Spring Street Church approved the findings and had them printed in a book, Both Sides, 1859. The Concord Association approved the council's finding at its July 1859 session, and upon the recommendations of a special committee of which J.M. Pendleton was chairman, seated the messengers from Spring Street Church and refused to seat those from the First Baptist. Now, that's the complete document that you'll find in the Southern Baptist Encyclopedia. And let me, let me remind you of one thing the Southern Baptists have never been partial to J.R. Graves. Yeah. They never have. The Southern Baptists have never liked really J.R. Graves or his movement. I mean, they have always been biased toward him. So, what they said here about him had to be the truth, and they, they couldn't get around it on that. I also have within our possession tonight a copy of the Concord Menace by John Bond. I'm very important. I, I'm going to tell you The Lord has blessed me with it. getting me this information. I, I don't know why, but I'm thankful for it. I also have uh, what happened in 1859. Now, remember, Brother A.C. Dayton was excluded in February. You remember that? He's in the minority that's recognized as a church. I'm going to read to you the beginning of the service of 1859. Introductory sermon by Elder A.C. Dayton. Isn't that something? He was excluded from the majority, and yet the association had him preach an introductory sermon. That would be a high re- irregularity in this day and time. We'd have churches breaking in with one another over it. Mm-hmm. Yes. But back then it wasn't an irregularity. See, the, the association recognized the minority even though they were excluded as being the church. And Brother Dayton had been wrongfully excluded. And so they didn't recognize that exclusion. Now, I'm going to read you into in entirety the report that the committee came up with on this issue. Well, I guess first let me read this part first. Uh, in the afternoon, E.W. Hale moved that the two Nashville letters now be taken from the table for disposal, which Mosen produced some discussion. Elder Pendleton offered as an amendment that both letters be referred to a committee, with instructions to report on Monday. At this point of business, a very animated discussion was sprung. And, and it was, anyway, they, they voted to put it in the hands of the committee to, to investigate this issue. Now I'm going to read to you the findings of what the committee came up with. We see no reason why the action of this body, Concord Association, should be at variance with the actions of the General Association of Middle Tennessee and North Alabama in its decisions against the majority and in favor of the minority as an orderly and constitutional First Baptist Church of Nashville. Nor have we any any fault to to find with the judgment expressed by the council convened, convened March last, that judgment, we think, was in accordance with the facts in the case. That a New Testament law was violated in the arraignment of Elder J.R. Graves, we cannot for one moment entertain a doubt. The offenses in, in charge against him were evidently personal. It is, a vain, it is in vain to say that they were public for public offenses, as well as private ones may be personal. In all cases, the personal offenses among church members, the law of all Christ was laid down in the eighteenth chapter of Matthew, must be observed. Until this is done, no church can, without involving itself in disorder, take cognizance of such cases. It is therefore manifest that the dominant part of the first church in Nashville became disorderly in practice when it arraigned Elder Graves in disregard to the law of Christ. It seems to us that the principles of common justice were greatly outraged. In the failure of the church to furnish elder grace with definite specifications, Christian's propriety, ordinary courtesy, and simple justice required that the prayer of the protest of elder grace should be granted. And I agree with that. They should at least furnish him what they were disputing for. But they didn't. I like it when churches come up and say, Well, we bring a charge of sedition against them and Well, what, what kind of sedition? We don't know, but that sounds like a good word. <laughs> and that's about the way a lot of our Baptists have been excluded over the years in masses. That is, it was not granted, it's proved positive that those who voted against it were indisposed to do right. And the use made of the name of Elder R. Fuller of Baltimore after he in legal phrase, indicates the same thing. We are of the opinion that El Greys made his protest at the right stage of that, of that proceeding against him, and when it was disregarded, he and the minority who acted with him were perfectly justified in withdrawing from the disorderly dominant party. We see now that they could not have taken part in the trial so-called Without acquiescing in in what they knew to be a violation of the law of Christ, it was their duty to withdraw, and we recognize them to be what they claim in their letter to be the orderly portion of what was the First Baptist Church, Nashville, while we consider the dominant part majority as the disorderly portion of said church, from which this association should withhold its fellowship until said majority retraces its steps and rescinds its unscriptural acts. In view of these facts and considerations that others might be named, we, re- we recommend the adoption of the following. Resolved that the messengers of the orderly portion of what was the First Baptist Church in Nashville are entitled to seats in this body. Resolved that as the Nashville minority have taken the name of Spring Street Baptist Church, Having resolved to build their house of worship on said street, the clerk so designated in the minutes. Resolved, in view of the unscriptural proceedings against Elder J. R. Graves, in connection with the fact that the misunderstanding between him and Elder Dawson of Georgia was a, a has been amicably and honorably settled. Elder Dawson admitting that Elder Graves was justifiable in entertaining the view he expressed before he heard the explanation made at the time of the settlement. And in view of the additional facts that Mr. Tustin has openly proved by his recent, act- recent acting that he never was slandered by Elder J.R. Graves and being termed an unsound Baptist, it does seem to us that justice, honor, and religion requires the disorderly dominant party at Nashville to retrace its steps and modify its records. Resolved that we, as we earnestly desire to adjust the, 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 the national differences, we would be exceedingly gratifying to this body for the dominant party of Nashville to correct the disorder to which it has fallen so that we that peace may be restored in our sign. Resolve, now, and I want you to listen to this, really careful. Resolve that while it may not be expedient for the two parties at Nashville to be united again in one organization, we would hardly rejoice for such a state of things to be brought about as will enable them to act harmoniously in the denomination, each being recognized as an independent church. Resolved that the clerk of this body be requested to furnish the dominant party of Nashville with a copy of this report. So that is reading really the entirety of the actions of Concord Church where the First Baptist Church uh, belonged at that time. If I understand this correctly, the, the Concord Association recognized the minority, J.R. Graves, A.C. Dayton, and another 45 that were excluded from the First Baptist Church as being the true church of that area, and seated them. They also recognized that, that the church there, the, the denominator part, still had authority to correct its error. So they weren't saying that it was not actually a church, they just said it was in disorder. And so they, they, they was hoping that maybe the Majority would eventually time correct this and that there'd be more people again. And uh, uh, that would have been good Good if that had happened. But let me read you what happened 10 years later <coughs> down, down in this issue. The Concord Association in 1868 annual session, the Concord Association rescinded the offensive and injurious actions that had been taken against the First Baptist Church ten years earlier, and invited it to resume its connection with the association. The church unanimously accepted the invitation. Isn't that sweet? Why can't our brethren do that in this day time? Here the majority that excluded the minority is back together, recognizing the minority as, that they exclude as a sister church. Not only that, I've got the history of, oh, I said, what is called? Oak to Ashes, I think it is. It's the history of the National Baptist Association. Both the First Baptist Church and Spring Creek went into that organization. It was actually 1900. So that, that is uh, the way that this issue was handled. And the brethren didn't think what they did was uh, disorderly or unscriptural or unbaptistic when they recognized. That minority has been the true church. of uh, fact, I'd like to read from the history of Sandy Creek Baptist Association again what they thought about it. Can you, can you imagine that this issue got all the way back over that area? Where Baptists have got, got good ways of, of getting bad news traveling. Good news, kind of, we kind of keep that quiet, but we can get bad news out pretty quick. On page 247 and 248 of the history of the Sandy Creek Baptist Association, resolution, we unanimously passed recommending the Great Iron Wheel and Orca's History of Foreign Baptists and also defending the moral character of Elder J.R. Graves, the author of the Great Iron Wheel, against the slanders and misreputations of the enemies of that work and recommended him to the confidence of the denomination. So these brethren here, these churches here in, in, in Virginia, or I think it's Virginia, North, North Carolina, North Carolina, they 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 supported at least this church. So they supported Brother J.R. Grace. Now, how did some of our local associations look at you reckon, back then? Certainly, if it was a disorder, our our association jumped right on that and and broke, broke fellowship, wouldn't it? Let's see here. 1860, the Enon Association of United Baptists. Uh, don't, don't y'all get too excited with that fact that the Enon was called United Baptists back then. Uh, we didn't wear the title missionary at that point. Even though I know we wore that name all the way back to Christ, according <laughs> to philosophy. Uh, we, we were United Baptists for a missionary. Back that, J.R. Graves was the first one declaring himself a missionary Baptist. That's true. And we took it from him. But anyway, in 1860, it says resolved number one, that we as an association do heartily endorse the decision of the General Association of Middleton City of North Alabama and the Concord Association touching the difficulties existing in the First Baptist Church of Nashville. All the churches of the Enon Association in 1860 supported the minority As excluded from the majority, and J.R. Graves as being the true church of the First Baptist. Although I wonder how that would work today. Uh, 1852. In our association, resolved that we recommend to the brethren of this association to take the Tennessee Baptist and do all they can to sustain Brother Graves, its editor, in his efforts to defend for, or Baptist principles against the pediatryism of the kindred doctrines. I've got one more here. I want to to get these pages. This will be very interesting. 1882. The Association elected Elder J.R. Graves to preach on tomorrow. And you know what they said in history, he preached for two and a half hours. So the Enon Association, in 18, even as late as 1882, still supported Elder J.R. Graves, even though he had the stigma of being excluded from the First Baptist Church at one time. See, so how, how does that work in this day and time? Would the Enon Association if it even existed today? Would they still take this kind of position? Well, certainly not. They've got brethren that don't know history, they don't know the Baptist doctrine, and they don't know what the Bible teaches, and they're out setting their own rules and standards. And if this study goes on, y'all keep going on, we're going to take a little thing that they wrote now in 2000, uh, they wrote 11 things based on what they thought uh, necessary for fellowship, and we're going to show you that, that, that they're not Baptist doctrine. If this, if this goes on, y'all will keep going on on that. So we see how the United Association felt about these matters. We saw how the other associations felt on it. And so this would make a good precedent, would it not? For us to judge by today. If we see a a church that is wrongfully doing brethren in it, we're not supposed to close our eyes and say, well, it's none of our business. Whatever affects the unity of the Baptist kingdom affects all of us, folks whether we like to admit it or not. When we let someone infringe upon the rights and the privileges of one of our Baptist brothers or sisters, and we concede to that, we're okay for them to do us the very same way. Yeah. I'll be as honest as I can. We own that. I believe very much in each church having its own autonomy. And it has the right to govern itself. And we have the right to make our decisions. The Lord put the government in the church. Right. And no one can deny that Paul made that very clear. The government to rule itself exists in the church. And God gives very few laws to go about governing ourselves. He does teach us to be in unity on it. He does teach us to follow the scriptural procedures in it. He teaches us to be, when, when, when things come up, to one speak at a time and do it in rotation, not three or four jumping up at one time trying to speak, sing, or whatever. He wants everything done decently and in order. They left the government up to each church to carry out the way they see fit. And as long as each church keeps its ordinances as pure as it can, no church has the right to interfere with the government of a sister church. Amen. Amen. We're mad you. Oh, I've done done jump shit, my brother. I was going to some different arguments. Uh, Have y'all got any questions on what we've discussed tonight? I I know that I'm presenting a whole lot to you. I know you can't grasp it. I'm glad it's going on the tape. That y'all can just get it down and and go over it. I'm giving you what's at in history where you can go back and look it up for yourselves. You will find that I have not misrepresented the history on that. Uh, it's, actually I'm reading to you out of the history book so, so I can't be accused of making this up on my own and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you folks I'm not smart enough to make this up on my own and, and I wouldn't even consider even trying to do some of the things that our forefathers did like each other. is there any questions on that I'm going to go through four more I've got five minutes basically I'm going to rush through four more cases so that I can take up a different argument next time we come together but these four more cases are minorities that were recognized as churches. Number one is Macedonia, or New Macedonia, at Club Springs. I think Brother Ricky Wilson's pastor there right now, uh, over in Smith County. I think he's he's their pastor. What a lot of people don't know, they split in 1878, page 94 of Grimes. The minority called the council, page 94 of Grimes. The council advised the minority to claim the old Constitution and begin or rather continue business for the Lord at that place. Page 98. They didn't reorganize. They they did not get letters from the majority. They did not get an arm. They didn't know about those things back then. That's something to think about. They They didn't know they were supposed to do those things back then. They didn't do it. So now, if what the brethren are arguing today, you've got to have an arm or you've got to have good scriptural letters, then you're Macedonians not a church. That's right. If they're right, but they're not right. See, if they're right in what they're arguing today, that you got to have that arm or you've got to have good sisters, letters from sister churches, so you guess lie, That's their argument. I've got document it documented. I'm not misrepresenting them. Then, then the Finch Creek's not a church, Silo's not a church, uh, Spring Street's not a church, and you said it's not a church. And none of the other five that we gave you back earlier are churches. Now, the minority called out of J. H. Grimes as pastor, page 94. And number five, Grimes says, seemingly both sides, majority and minority of the Union Association split, agreeing to live apart, yet live as brethren, recognizing each other's baptism. They divided, but they stayed in unity. They didn't agree on what the point was. I I ain't been able to figure it out Uh what Jacob's side, what Jacob's side, what I did. I don't have no records on it. But whatever it was, they they did divide. But they remained in unity. Wouldn't it be good today if we could divide and remain in unity? Listen, we can't can't catch it work out without being in unity. Now, Rocky Mountain. Some of y'all know Rocky Mountain. You'll find this in Grimes also I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time there because most everybody's got a Grimes or access to a Grimes. They were first organized in 1878. Some say my home church in Macedonia, who went by the name of Gary's Preach that, that back then, was their mother church. I, I don't have a document to prove that because our records burned. But I do know that Wiley Henderson that began that work was our first clerk at Old Macedonia, and he was a preacher. So it, it's very, very much it can, can be true that Macedonia was the mother church of Rocky Mountain in the beginning. They partially dis- dis- suspended in 1882. In 1883, the Long Creek Association refused to seats because they were in disorder. I've got the Long Creek minutes. I didn't bring them. I wasn't going need need them because you, if you need them, I'll bring them to you. But, the law, but they refused to seat Rocky Mountain because they were in disorder. What happened, Brother Chrisley Miller had led the majority off after what we now know as General Baptist stuff and left a rim with their minority that they, that they didn't go there. They reorganized November seventh, eighteen 1885. So here's the church that split. The minority came back together and reconstituted in order to be a church. Now, that's a different precedent than what we then done, done gave, isn't it? But that's another way the Baptists did it back then. And they were in unity on it and nobody had a problem with it. But I grant you, I doubt if they got. I doubt they got good letters from the, the majority that left them. Don't y'all? Uh, some say that uh, uh, Sam uh, Elder, Sam Carter, and uh, uh, J.R. Stitz, I think, was the leaders in that work, and a scattered brethren from that was left, and, and some from, from Garrett's Creek and Siloam came together and constituted the group there. If that's correct, and, and what Grimes says. Then I know that we at old Macedonia didn't have a part in the reconstitution of, of Solomon because, see, Sam Carter was my great-grandfather. At that time, they had started the church up, up in Rottenborough and Allen County. And my grandpa was pastor, there. he a member there. So Tunnel Mission, what we know is Tunnel Mission now, or Briarfield, might be the Mother Church of Rocky Mountain, but, but we don't, we're not in Macedonia. Now, another, another case, There's two, one of them was in the uh, 1878, one another in 1878, or 79. Now, we're going to go with another case. And that, this church is called Bethany. How many of y'all are familiar with Bethany? Raise your hand. They were organized in 1851, page 358, Grimes. Right? They divided in 1886. Did y'all know they divided? That division, 1886, page 359. The majority went into error and followed John Smith. Page 359 Grimes, Elder D.W. Smith advised the minority to bring the majority under charge, ruled that the majority had no right to vote while under charge, and the minority took them up one at a time and excluded them for heresy. Page 360. The United Association recognized the minority as the true church, read in minutes, October eighteen eighty seven, pages one and page four. Elder J. F. Lambert moved to reconsider that. It, it, it failed. The Smiths had more. more is that what? the Smiths had more influence in the Enon Association than the Lamberts did? That's what it boiled down to. So we find here, that that here Bethany. The majority went off after heresy. Well, where does that put a minority? When, when a majority departs into heresy, it puts, puts them not existing, don't it? My Baptist doctrine? Yes. But they didn't come back together and organize. They came up with a better solution. We'll bring the majority under a charge. We won't let them talk. We won't let them defend themselves. And then we'll take them up one at a time. We'll wholesale charge them. Then we'll bring up more time excluded, if they can't do nothing. And then after they all excluded, we'll own the property. That's basically what it boiled down to. Yes. That's true. But yet the Enoch Association settled that issue like that, even though I would consider irregularity. They corrected that, they recognized that, and they went on about their master's business. And we stayed in unity. Good example that. I mean, isn't it amazing? If you notice the church that I'm giving you in our area, every one of them that has had problems are the ones that are causing the problems to us today. Amen. 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 Y'all notice that? Yeah. The ones that really need the help years ago are the ones that are causing the problems in this day and time. I think that pretty much covers... Yeah, we're going, to, we're going to start with the resolution of the Enon Association 1881 next time. I think y'all probably heard about that. Well, We agreed not to take nobody unless they come by a good letter. Is there any questions or anything I can discuss with that? You're gonna be surprised about that resolution. It ain't nothing like their manifestment today. If you go back to the history, is there? Is there any? I, I really thought we'd have some discussion, some questions, or something other when we started then. I've got a. I've got a. When I came here,
1: um, I think maybe it was the last Sunday in 2018, I preached at Siloam. And uh, I didn't know anything about all this division. I didn't have a clue. When I, when I was called here to pastor, the deacons took me back in that room and said, now there's a lot of churches that don't get along with us, and I, I think my answer was, I'm here to follow the Lord. I don't really care. Um, and I, that, that is still my, I want to follow the Lord. Um but I guess the last time I preached at Siloam was the last time I'll preach at Siloam. <laughs> and uh, yeah. uh, because I, I, I went to Siloam one Sunday and I came here the next Sunday and apparently during those seven days I became unsound. So uh, when did all... Yes, That's how it worked, yeah. Um, so I, I've, I've learned a little bit. Was it the late 60s or early 70s of that meeting? And you don't have to get into that now. But my question is: Was any of these precedents? Did anybody stand up and give these
0: precedents?
1: No. Would see, that not have made a
0: difference? The, the, I could have started with, with the problems of today. No, I'm glad you made like that but, but see, you wouldn't know uh, by doing that. Nobody would know how our forefathers handled these issues. Yeah,
1: and that that's, that was my question: If if any of those precedents so, were so. Up, so
0: I, I established these precedents of how our forefathers handled these issues. They, they, not, they might not have been uh, say completely in unity at the time they did it, but they came together and said, okay, we've settled it, we're going to go on with it and fellowship one another. And, and that's, that, that was the key to it. I'm not saying everybody agreed with everything that happened. But th- they did agree to be in unity and go on and start the law. To answer your question, it began about 1960. Okay. And it began actually in non association and we're going to bring all of that out if y'all want to continue. if you don't want to continue, that's okay with me. But if y'all want to continue, we're going to bring that out. It was an ordination at New Salem Church down in Snow Creek where a brother by the name of Marty Brooks was seated in it. Okay.
1: I just wondered if anybody brought up, because to me, whether it's, whether it's our country or our church, it's important to know where we come from. I mean, it, no, Nobody to my knowledge is now, it's not that they didn't know it. Right, that, that it just almost, didn't
0: fit their agenda. Yeah, that's that's okay. Some of these old preachers knew these things. Yeah, but it wasn't because
1: I'm hearing it for the first time.
0: I, I love some old brethren. but i knew some of them. Well, this is the way they they, they practice. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah. And y'all know I'm telling the truth on that. See, I'm not young myself. I started out in, in in 1969 when the Lord brought me down, and I joined Old Macedonia. I joined after they had that General Association. I remember the brethren talking about that. What are they talking about, Aiden and Murphy? None of them even knew at Macedonia. What is he talking about down at the General Association? That was in 69. So there wasn't that. But 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 if we go on, we'll we'll get into that. I think Brother Rand said that y'all want to bring it all the way down to the division of Bob Russell and how Monaco came into existence. And if you if you want to, that's fine with me. Uh, I've done the mission work at Monaville. I've got nothing to hide there. My old church was the mother church of that, and everybody went into Monaville with were, were charter members from Old Macedonia. i got a problem with that. So, you know, to me, there's never really been a conflict between Bad Russell and Monaville, except in the minds of some of the people. Because yeah. Buyer Russell had nothing to do with our Constitution at Monaville. But, but that's what Brother Rand says some of y'all brethren want go to that point, but actually we're going to have to go all the way to 2000 to, where some of the, oh, I think it was 42 churches that were invited to this meeting down at Long Creek. Now if you wasn't on the list, he was already just uh he called blackball. I think that would be the word blackball. See, I, I think Paul said test for the pebbles, the white or black in the scriptures. You was already got the black pebble from Paul if you wasn't on that list. Old Macedonia didn't make the list. We were all black body. But they started a movement down there in, in 2000. And, and that's actually where, even though it was in a lot of confusion, I think that's even more <laughs> no far on that. But we'll see. And, and, and uh, <clears throat> these brethren, I wish they would come. I, I don't mind them coming. And if they want to discuss this sometime, openly or freely, I don't mind doing that. They can get their moderator. I'll get me a moderator. And we'll started the 30 minutes apart. And we'll start discussing these issues. I, I don't have a bit of a problem discussing them. I love my brethren. We've got some awful good brethren, what I call on the other side. I thank the world of yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And they're sound in their preaching. Mm-hmm. It's just that they got hung up on these traditions. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it has nothing to do with Baptist doctrine or the Scriptures. And they're good brethren. I love them. Oh, yeah. And there are people getting saved under the ministry and their churches are growing. I'm just tickling that happy because I can believe about that. Yes. Uh, I'm glad the Lord still blessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad he looks at the ass as his little children. And... I'm sure we disappointed him a lot, but now he's still, we still had little children. Yeah, Anything else? Brother Carter, what is the uh, Brown book that you made reference to a couple times tonight? No? A History of Middle Tennessee Baptist by J.H. Grimes.
1: Thank you. I've got several copies if they want. <laughs> I still
0: thought I bought all of them off you at of the you, of you, you had a bunch in your trunk. I bought every last one of them you had that day. I still
1: got some on. You tricked me.
0: Well, I, I, you, you got them all at that time, i got no more I'd like to read one of you. You trick. Right. I bought them to to Breath. Young preachers, what I bought them for. I got one too late. Besides this, nobody would this, and I've got it marked. Anything else? J.R. Graves
1: was the first person that declared himself a missionary
0: Baptist. is that what I just said? That's what you said. is that what I just said a minute ago? Let me refer back to this wonderful book here. Yeah, that wonderful book. They got, got this little preacher so much trouble back then that I didn't know what I was going to do. Let's see. Uh, 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 I know I've gotten here some more He, along with Amos, uh, he, along with Amos Cooper Dayton, and James Madison Pendleton, began what was known in history as the landmark movement. he was the first to declare, "I am a missionary Baptist," as were John Christ and Paul and as were all Baptists until within the last century, and that he alone is truly a primitive Baptist who is a scriptural missionary Baptist. Enon Association in 1886, I think it was, resolved to change your name our name from uh, United to missionary. The next year they come back and they said, if y'all want to keep the United Baptist, keep it. Those that want to be missionaries, be missionary. <laughs> My home church at Macedonia has never officially made a motion nor second to change from being a United Baptist to a missionary. We had Brother N.C. Pugh, as our pastor for a while. He said, We all in the Wise Association now, y'all just go the name missionary. And our hearts start doing that.
1: Our minutes, one
0: month. United Baptist, the next month with Missionary Baptists and no explanation. Well, I, I, y- y'all may not be, but Dixon's Creek is old enough that, that, that they're older than even the United Baptist. They didn't wear, they are just regular Baptists or separate ones. Yeah, they were. Yeah, right. they, they, they're, they're even older than Appalachian United. At least the Creek is yeah. Anyone else? It is good to be here, and I appreciate you coming, I appreciate your attention. Pray for us. We, we need the Lord. You know, I don't have any more years I've got in this whole world. But what they are, I, I want the Lord to take me and use me. There's nothing more precious than the gospel going out and lost souls getting, yeah. and getting saved. And, and that's my desire. I want to see the Lord's kingdom be built. And the way it's built rightfully is we disciple lost people, get them saved, and then teach them to unite with the Lord's church and get baptized. And then teach them to live godly lives, yeah. uh, and that's, that's my desire. Y'all pray for us. Thank you for letting me come. Thank you, brother. Appreciate the
1: lesson tonight, um, and I'm glad, brother Robbie said what he said. That those are our brothers and our sisters. I have absolutely matter of fact, I've got a brother in the flesh that's a member of us I love him, and uh, you know we get along fine. And um, but those are our brothers and our sisters and and so they have the authority and that each church has the authority and so uh, I love them and, and i don't I don't find um, anything that would make them not to be a church um, I just wish they would give us the same respect amen um, but I appreciate the lessons brought out tonight anything on your heart there is a plate out of the foyer if you'd like to give something brother Carter's been a lot of time yeah amen a lot of time. Amen. Also laid out before you if you have a donation. Anything further?